In today's episode, we discuss the word pastor. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. Ralph Walker is a great friend of mine. I grew up, actually in uh, nearly the same area where he did many years of preaching in the Carolinas. And he and I got to know each other pretty well. Uh, He at first knew me as that kind of bratty teenager, uh, but we have since grown to love each other so deeply. And he is such a mentor to me. He preaches down at the Henderson Boulevard Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. And there he serves not only as a minister, but also as a pastor. And we will talk about the differences between those two roles in today's episode. I think you will appreciate not only Ralph's knowledge, but also his wisdom with which he approaches his work. And I definitely hope this challenges you to see the ideas from Scripture better. Let's jump right in. So you are a preacher and a pastor. Uh, which is uh, one of the great reasons for you and I to have the discussion we're having today, which is on the word pastor. And that's a word that is tossed around a lot by different religious groups. Uh, so we'll we'll kind of dig into that. Let's go ahead and start with the definition. How would you define the word pastor as the Bible uses it? Well, let me, uh, you know, I think, I, I don't know who all is listening, but if it's, uh, if it's a typical religious person, they would define the word pastor as a preacher. Uh, he would be the main person that they would associate with in their congregation, but he is a, a, a preacher of the gospel. And they might call him, if they're informal, might call him Pastor Adam or Pastor Ralph. And if they're fairly formal, it would be uh, Pastor Shanks or Pastor Walker. And I think that's the way most people use the word. They think of a pastor as the person who feeds the congregation in the pulpit week after week. And I understand how that word would be used of that particular role, because, as I said, we're talking about feeding feeding the flock, and the flock feeds on the Word of God. But, Adam, uh, that's not the way the Bible uses the Word at all. In fact, uh, while that is the most common use of the Word for preachers or evangelists, it is never, and I stress, never used of that group of men in the Bible. And some might say, somebody might be listening and say, you know what, words are you use them accommodatively, and and I know what we mean by that word. We use I use the word of my preacher, and I call him pastor, and that's what he prefers. 
And if he does, that's okay. But words have meaning. And I think most of us would be reluctant to just randomly call preachers priests or bishop or cardinal or pope or patriarch. Uh, Some of those terms are man-made. Some of those are biblically oriented words. But my point is, all those words have specific meaning. And if we're going to be people of the book, then I think we need to use the terminology that God would use and that is given to us in the Bible. And in that case, pastor is never used of those who preach the gospel. It is used of those who shepherd the flock of God, and that requires specific qualifications. Okay, so so there's a lot of different terms that are used in the Bible of just the different roles that God has given. Uh, the one that pops into my mind pretty quickly is, you know, just because it uses several different would be Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Oh, you're looking at my notes. Well, there you go. Jesus gave some as, as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. So why why are we differentiating? What is the different role between an evangelist and a pastor? Yeah, well, just like all those roles are different, Adam, and that's a great passage. Uh, apostles did some prophesying, but not all prophets were apostles. The apostles had some specific qualifications and relationships to Jesus that were different than the prophets had. And so we may, we may use those words interchangeably ourselves, but we'd be mistaken to do that. Not all prophets are apostles. In the same way, there may certainly have been apostles who were elders. Peter is one. He calls himself that. But the fact that he is an apostle and an elder doesn't mean those are equivalent terms. They're different roles. Like I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a man. I'm a preacher. All those say something about me, but they don't say the same thing about me. So we've got this apostles and prophets, and then we've got this word pastors. Interesting word. It's a it's a Greek word, and I don't know. I only know a little Greek. He's a guy that runs a restaurant around the corner from me here. But um, I do know the word, and the word is poimen, and it means shepherd. It's the word for a shepherd. And each of these terms for this role in the church has two different English translations. So the word pastor, which carries with it the idea of a pasture, pasture where sheep are or where cattle would be, where they feed, the pastor is the one who takes them to the fields and feeds them. It also, the same word, poimen, is also translated by the word shepherd. And so it both has a noun form, I am a shepherd, or it has a verb form, I shepherd the flock of God. So pastor, shepherd, equivalent terms 
interchangeable from the Greek, and they clearly talk in terms of the role of the leader in a church to feed the flock. And as I said, that's the one that most often comes up when you think of preachers. They feed the flock. But that same passage you just cited talks about pastors and then evangelists. And the evangelist is a bearer of good news. That's the word for preacher. That's the word for minister in the word. It's the evangelist. And then finally, there's the word for teacher. So could a pastor be an evangelist? Yes, but they're not equivalent terms. Could a teacher be a pastor or an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet? Yes, but they're not equivalent terms. They're clearly given in Ephesians 4 verse 11 as a distinctive role separate from all those others. So we have multiple roles in the church. That does not mean we have clear, hard lines as far as what their work is, meaning... Yeah, know, there's going to be some overlap. Yeah, yep. so here you've got you know a, an evangelist and a pastor both involved in teaching. And you see that yes. in multiple passages of Scripture. Uh, the one that pops in my mind is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, you know, the elders, or that's the pastor, the same role there, uh, are who are good leaders are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. And so yeah. there you got that idea of here, here is somebody, an elder, a, a bishop, a pastor, who is involved in teaching. Well, that's yep. what the evangelist does. Just because the evangelist does it does not mean that it is exclusively the evangelist's job. And, right. And so what are, if there is this overlap, what are some of the things that we would see that a pastor exclusively does? Great question. Well, first of all, the very qualities of a pastor, which are set out in 1 Timothy chapter 3, are never required of one who preaches. The only, the only requirement for both of them would be they must be men and they must be men of God in the word. But a pastor has to have a wife, has to have believing children. He has specific qualities and qualifications, manages his household well. Those are not things that are required of one who preaches the gospel. A single man may be a preacher but he can't be a pastor. If we would object to a young single man claiming to be an elder when he doesn't meet the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 or of uh, Titus chapter 1, then uh, why would we not also object to a young man who is single, preaching for a congregation, being wearing the title pastor? Because the pastor is an elder. And, you know, I, this word for pastor or shepherd that's found in Ephesians chapter 4, also in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the, the word there is elder, which is also the word presbyter. That's, that's it's even translated that way in the New American Standard Version. But hands were laid on Timothy by the 
presbytery, which is the group of presbyters. That is a different word. That is a word for an elder man, and it carries with it the idea of wisdom. And then the third set of twins is the overseer or bishop found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and following. Uh, some versions call that the bishop. Most of them now are translating that overseer. So a, a quick summary for people that are saying, oh, I'm, I'm my head swimming too many words. <laughs> Three different terms in the Greek that are used for these leaders over a flock or a congregation. The one is the word elder or presbyter. The second is overseer or bishop. And the third is shepherd or pastor. And if I can just one more passage before I uh, stop and breathe and let you talk again. In Acts chapter 20, it is fascinating that all three terms come together in one passage. In Acts chapter 20, verse 17, the Apostle Paul called for the elders of the church at Ephesus to meet him at Miletus. And then in chapter 20, verse 28, he addresses that group, those elders, and calls them overseers. And then in, in verse 28, he also says that they are to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So here you've got elders who are also called overseers, who are also called shepherds. No passage really puts those together quite like that one, except 1 Peter 5. And in 1 Peter 5, the apostle Peter talks to the elders and tells them to shepherd and to oversee in verse two, shepherding and overseeing. So these are the three terms, elder, shepherd, overseer, that are used interchangeably of those who look after a flock of God's people. So it is interesting to me, and this is this has been something I have come across a lot as I've done this podcast, because we spend a lot of time defining words. And when you go back and look at at biblical words, we have a tendency in English to specialize words and to try to make words very particular and very specific. Whereas in Greek, we specialize them as these are religious words and these are regular words. And you know, we, we, we make separation. But what's interesting is that often in Greek, they just took everyday words and applied them to concepts of of their faith or of their religion. And so you take the idea of a shepherd. Well, they saw shepherds all the time. That is a normal term that we don't think about in an everyday basis because we don't come across shepherds all the time. Yeah. But they did. And so when you called a man a shepherd, that didn't call up a man of some religious office. That called to mind that guy working in the field leading sheep to food. They just took a regular word and applied it to this this office in the church. Or the same thing with elder. That just meant older man, older, wiser man. I, I don't mean to sound sacrilegious in saying this, but it would be like calling a man, bunch of men grandpas. 
I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's essentially what it is. And, and then the same thing with an overseer, it was just a term for manager, you know? It, yeah. it, and so you take regular everyday words and apply them to this role that it, it, there are all three of those terms are referring to the same group of men. They were grandpas leading people to, to spiritual food and managing people like that. That's, yeah. that's the role. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. And those were common terms. Overseers were used in uh, business all the time. And the idea of uh, of being an elder was an older man who had a relationship with people based on his age and his experience. And these were terms that the church didn't um, create. The, The church simply accommodated those and used them of these leaders in a local congregation. These these are the terms that I think the church should be using for those who are leaders. And and as in my case, I'm both a preacher. I was a preacher before I became a pastor or an elder. Uh, one last thought uh, about that, Adam. Uh, it's interesting to me. I think the term that many of us in our non-denominational groups our, our New Testament churches, we often find ourselves using the term elder more often than any other. And yet in the Bible, the term shepherd is the most commonly used term for God's leaders. It, it's the one. And I, and I will say, um, uh, Lynn Anderson wrote a book many years ago that I, I could recommend with only a few reservations. It's a great book. And it, the title of the book was they smell like sheep. And the idea of the book was, if you're going to be a leader among God's people, you should smell like the sheep because you are among the sheep. Mm -hmm. You don't smell like bricks and mortar. You don't smell like money. You don't smell like projects. You smell like sheep because that's what shepherds do. So you say that shepherd is the term most often used Why is that? What are the lessons attached to that? That's good. Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, When I preach on the role and the work of shepherds, I, in fact, it's funny because I will say God's leaders are shepherds, not cowboys, because cowboys drive cattle. Shepherds lead sheep. And the very point that Peter makes is that we're to be examples to the flock. So it's not a matter of, and Peter uses the phrase you gave us, lording it over the saints. It's not a matter of pounding the table, you know, this is what you're going to do because we're in charge. Shepherds lead by example. And uh, and so they're, they're not cowboys. They don't punch the sheep like cowboys punch cattle, you know, cow punchers. Yeah. They're not that. It's a whole different ballgame. And it is a gentler way of leading. It is um, the shepherd's staff is a whole different ballgame than the cowboy's whip. So let's let's get more practical. Uh, You have your experience as a preacher. Uh, You have your experience as a pastor. How did your role change when you went from merely preaching to 
adding the responsibilities of being a pastor? Well, in one respect, um, the statement is made in the book of Hebrews that you're to submit to your leaders because they watch for your souls as those who will give an account. A preacher is accountable to God for the word that he preaches, but he sows the seed. And then if it's, if it's accepted, it's accepted. And I don't mean to say preachers don't care at all about people, but a preacher answers for the word he preaches. A shepherd answers for the sheep God has given him. And it's a different role altogether. And by that wisdom, by those experiences that happen again and again and again, it's it's more it's more than just preaching the Bible to people and telling him to live it. It's working very hard to be sure that the saints are accountable before God and that they are uh, working as God wants them to work. And the shepherd is looking over all that and making sure that that is all being done, that that's being done God's way. Because, as I said, he will answer for souls. I know in your situation there at Henderson Boulevard, uh, y'all have, y'all, I know y'all had four elders. Do y'all still have four mm-hmm. elders? Uh, we actually have five. I know not all of you quote preach. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I know all of you teach because that's a yeah. quality yeah. Of, of being an elder. That's right. Do you find there, well, let, let me ask this. How do you find that having a variety of elders with different gifts is helpful to the eldership? Uh, how does that aid in y'all's work as a group of men trying to lead the flock? In in a congregation of, and it's funny, uh, it seems like it just automatically works that God provides an adequate number of leaders in a church for the number of people that they have. I don't mean every church has elders. They don't. But a um, a church it probably has, like some churches I know, four or 500 people probably have in that group 10, 15, 20 men who are qualified to serve as elders. On the other hand, a church that maybe has 50 people might have two people that are qualified. It would be very unusual for a church of 50 to have 10 or 15 elders. So I say that because the larger the group, the more needs there are, the more diverse are those needs and problems and challenges. And so a larger uh, eldership can meet those needs because they've got different dynamics playing. you got one guy who's a great organizer. You have another who's a wonderful empath and can just relate to people well. You might have another person who's really strong in the word in teaching and preaching. You've got another who is a wonderful behind-the-scenes guy who just keeps everything together. Those kinds of shepherds are all needed, and uh, God God tends to send that. So the dynamic works, and, and you have alluded to, but not stated something that I think you and I both believe. God never allows a single shepherd to oversee a flock. 
They are always mentioned in plurality, always. Never is a single shepherd found in a church. The idea was no one person is in control. It takes that group effort of the eldership or the or the bishopric. How do you and your fellow elders work in a way that allows y'all to uh, both be unified? Uh, I imagine y'all don't always agree on everything, but I imagine mm-hmm. you do always lead the congregation in the same direction. Part of it is we appeal to, first of all, the scriptures. I mean, it all comes back to what does God want from us? Now, sometimes that's very clear. Other times that takes a great deal of judgment and assumption. So I think an eldership works much like a marriage works. Um, Paula and I don't agree on everything. And there are times when I might say, hey, I'm in for a burger tonight. What about you? And she says, no, I, I just don't want a burger. I had one for lunch. I do not want that. Well, I can be flexible. I can give way on that. I don't have to pound the table and say, no, we're going to get a hamburger because that's what I want. And the same thing is true in so many other aspects of parenting, not just marriage, but parenting. I've always said, you know, it doesn't matter whether you and your spouse agree or disagree on what you should do with the kids. When it's time to stand before the kids, you better be united. Yeah. On that case, you better agree. Here's what we both agree on. Otherwise, they'll divide and conquer every time. And with a flock, the same thing is true. It may be that I'm not really terribly excited about something that the other elders are excited about. But when it comes to stating that before the flock, I'm all in because we've agreed to that. And we also give way to those who have real strong conscience feelings about things. You know, it's learning how to get along in a committee. It's easy to do if your focus is on God and the welfare of the flock. It's hard to miss the passion with which Ralph approaches his responsibilities as both a minister and as a pastor. He loves the people he serves and leads, and you can hear it in the way that he talks about the role of being a pastor. And his unique position there at Henderson Boulevard allows him to speak with wisdom about those two roles and the differences between those two roles when that's a term that is often confused by people who use the term pastor. God's way is incredible, and it carries with it so much wisdom, and we need to make sure that we not only understand God's way for building up His church, but that we follow that way. I hope this podcast has been helpful to you and that it is, in some way, challenged the way you think. Maybe it challenged the way that you understand these roles and will allow you to better follow God's plan for building up his church in the way that he wants it done. If the episode has been helpful, share it with others. If you need us in some way, reach out to us. You can contact us at preachimpediments.com. Please let us know how we can serve you better. Until next time.